This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan, your host. Let me tell you a little bit about Parent Footprint. Our mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged kids is for us parents to focus on the same in our own lives, happiness, health, engagement, and of course, awareness. And that is because we believe awareness is the foundation for you to create your own vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is called Fatherly with Joshua David Stein. And let me tell you a little bit about Joshua. He is Fatherly's editor-at-large. He's responsible for editorial initiatives across the company and serves as the host of the Fatherly podcast. He is a prolific writer who has appeared in The Guardian, GQ, The New York Times, New York, and many more. He is the former editor-in-chief of Black Book Magazine and the author of these children's books, Can I Eat That? What's Cooking? Brick, Who Found Herself in Architecture, and Can You Eat? And Joshua lives in Brooklyn with his two sons. Joshua, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So this is a topic I am very passionate about, uh, being a father, which seems to be a uh, more than full-time job uh, these <laughs> days, which I know uh, you have a lot to say about that. Um, let's start with, uh, just tell us about Father Lee um, and your role in this awesome uh, company and uh, website. So basically, Fatherly is a website that addresses the needs and concerns, but also just the attention um, of dads and, you know, moms too. We have a lot of moms in our readership, but, you know, as, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced and talked about, as the roles of what a dad is changes, we thought there should be a resource as well for dads, specifically talking to dads about everything from parental leave to how they can help support their spouse to issues that you tackle on this podcast about how to get over our own emotional <laughs> turmoil and really show up for our kids. So it's not all just serious and heavy things. We, we do provide service where I think we, it's needed. We also talk about things like what you should watch with your kids, the best toys, that kind of thing, but really talking to the dads out there. 
Um, it's completely needed. And, um, you know, just related to this, I just was asked to do this uh, phone interview about dad guilt. Yeah. And um, which, you know, I wanted to ask you about because I certainly experienced and have a ton of that over the last couple decades. And, uh, you know, is this a new phenomenon for dads? A newer phenomenon? <laughs> I feel like guilt has been around since Adam and Eve. Um, true, true, true. But yeah, I mean, dad guilt is a side effect, I think, of there being increased demands. Demands isn't the right word. For there being an increased desire and expectation for fathers to be more involved in the lives of their children and in rearing their family, as well as the sort of asphyxiation uh, caused by socioeconomic factors and policy, frankly, um, that make it harder and harder for dads to make a living. They work longer and harder. And at the same time, they're, they want to naturally, and I think in a healthy way, be around for their kids and their spouse, if they have one, more. So parental guilt is something that I think moms have struggled a long, long time with. And now dads struggle with it too. Equal opportunity, yeah. Equal, um, yeah. So, equal opportunity so, feelings of inadequacy. Exactly. <laughs> we finally it, reached gender equality. Finally, and I do think it does give us dads who experience this empathy for what mothers, caring mothers, have dealt with for a very long time. Yeah, it's nothing. It's not like um, we discovered this great new <laughs> phenomenon of guilt. It's, right. It's something that a lot of people have been struggling with, moms in particular. So what so what how would you describe the modern father? What is the modern father? I mean, I think it's hard to draw a blanket to to make a blanket statement about the modern father because of course it changes so much geographically in terms of socioeconomics, in terms of um individual family setup. I would say, though, that the biggest characteristic is a desire for more engagement in the lives of their children, moving away from a sort of um, traditional patriarchal model where the dad is just out earning income and then shows up, you know, for a few minutes, if at all, in the lives of their children before they go to bed. That's not really what I think a lot of dads are looking to get out of fatherhood. And it is, well, to go back to your earlier point, I mean, like, that's a root of a lot of parental guilt, <laughs> is right. trying to right. be a modern father and trying to be more engaged. Well, and I always get asked, like, how did, how did this change in the past generation? You know, I talk about how when um, my dad was in a more traditional role and, you know, he worked his regular hours and I was, I was like so fired up when he would show up on the weekend for a sports game, like one game or part of a game. And and now there's just like, if you're not coaching at every practice, I mean, this is totally over the top extreme, but it's like, yeah. so how, how do you think it evolved over the past uh, generation? I mean, I think a lot of it comes from changing societal expectations of gender roles. A lot of it also comes from the changing labor market in the sense that now, by necessity, as well as to some extent by choice, families are opting for two-income houses, you know, two-income households. Elizabeth Warren talks about the two-income trap. So 
just overall, the roles have been shifting. And that's expressed not only economically, but also, as you said, about um, dads wanting to make more of an effort in the daily life of their kids, not just showing up for one game, but being there for the practices. And at the same time, what you mentioned about, like, if you're not coaching, then you're failing as a parent. You know, the downside of that is that we're now being held, I think, to kind of slightly unrealistic expectations about what we can provide. And that just increases feelings of inadequacy, which when undealt with, and even when dealt with, frankly, you know, lead to increased unhappiness and dissatisfaction, which isn't good for anyone, I don't think. I think like... No, and... Just to... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, I took my kids to the American Museum of Natural History the other weekend, and we were looking at a um, uh, an exhibit about initiation rituals and like manhood rituals and uh, adult rituals in I think like a tribe in Borneo or something like that. And the kid had a um, a quill in his nose and his uh, septum, and my kids were like. My son was like, well, isn't that like, I don't think he said abuse, but it's like, isn't that mean to the kid that they would do that? And I was trying to explain to him, well, actually, it's kind of how is it perceived within the society, <laughs> right? Like, that's not seen in, in anger or as abuse or anything like that. In some way, there's a parallel there, at least I think about, you know, for your dad, for instance, you know, him showing up for a weekend game wasn't a problem. You know, it just wasn't an issue because it aligned with societal expectations of fatherhood. Now the societal expectations have shifted to the extent that if he did, if you behaved how your father behaved, showing up only for one game, if at all, you know, you would feel tremendous guilt about that. And I think it would be perceived as neglectful. So I think we're all trying to negotiate this, these new, I don't want to say poorly defined, but they are nebulous um, expectations within a context of increased pressure, um, both economically and in terms of our family. Absolutely. And it makes me think about this, like, what is enough, right? This, as you say, this is the nebulous, it's defined nebulously. It's, it's very abstract. Like, what is enough? I mean, do you have an idea about what is enough? What is healthy? You know, I mean, there's a ton of research that shows daily contact with fathers is beneficial for for um, the children. I imagine, just from my own personal experience, it's also beneficial for the father to be around their kids who they love so much. Um, so there's definitely like a, 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 a objective amount, which is probably healthy. That said, my takeaway from doing the podcast, from talking to experts, from thinking about it myself, is that oftentimes it's less the underlying fact and more how you relate to the fact, if that makes sense. Like, if you can spend 20 minutes with your kid a day and that's it, okay, that's, and that's perceived as healthy within the family and in your own self. That's less of a problem than if you can spend 40 minutes with your kid, but then you are feeling guilty and terrible about it for the rest of the time. Because feeling those feelings of inadequacy, as previously mentioned, bleed over and are manifest in you know, thousands of ways that kids pick up on. It becomes part of the atmosphere. And I think that's more detrimental. You're relating to your reality, how you relate to it 
is much more important kind of than the, I don't know, underlying facts. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And it's, um, I'm going to really oversimplify a piece of what you said and let me know how you feel about this is it the quality over quantity, you know, like the qual presence for a quality moment or a quality amount of time, I believe we know now is much better and healthier than a lot of time where there's not this connection. There's a lot of distractibility. Yeah. I mean, I would caveat that by saying, yeah, I guess it's quality over quantity, but that shouldn't blind us from the ideal that high quality, high quantity is the ideal. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. I talked to a lot through my job, through fatherly, I talked to a lot of like super successful dads, actors, musicians, artists, whatever. And because a lot of them, and I also talked to their kids for another project I'm working on. So, you know, hearing them talk about it, a lot of the times the dads say, well, I don't spend that much time, but when I'm there, I'm really there. And I think, oh, that's great. It's better than mm-hmm. the alternative of being right. there and distracted, but it's worse than the ideal of being around and not being distracted more. So right. I, look, I don't want to be a, what is it? Fire and brimstone, <laughs> you know, yeah, preacher right, for right. parental involvement. Right. Uh, yeah. Do you do you and, and make it the best you can, but it's not just that, Oh, I spend 10 minutes with my kid, but they're the best 10 minutes. No, it, that's not good enough. Uh, there, Ruth Reichel, the editor of the former editor of gourmet just came out with a memoir um, and she said something that was really interesting and sh- that she realized is that your kids need you around enough that they can ignore you. <laughs> oh, man, that really makes a ton of sense. I like, know, like that. Yeah. And and now when I'm around my kids, whereas I used to be so stressed out and like, guys, let's interact. Let's interact. It's like, no, they know I'm around. I'm here and I'm around enough that they feel comfortable not paying attention to me. And that's what I want. I like that. You hear that, everyone? Your kids need you around enough to ignore you. And there's this pressure to always be engaging with them. And you know what? They don't want that. And we didn't want that when we were their age. No. <laughs> we need to be mindful of that, right? Um, okay, I'm interested. Is there anything you can tell us about any of the interviews that you've had with the kids? You know, like the the parents or the dads are saying like, yeah, I've got this quality time with my kids. What are the kids saying? Yeah, I think, um, so the project I'm working on is with the adult children of famous men or Mm -hmm. interesting men. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. Let's see. For the most part, they have internalized the narrative that it was quality over quantity. Like they say things like my dad wasn't around that much, but when he was around, I felt like the only person who mattered, you know, like, so I don't want to discount the validity of that. I think that that is accurate, but they also, well, they also, this is what they say the most is like, I don't know any different. Like, I don't know what it would have been like if my dad was more around because he wasn't. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a methodological challenge because there is no do over, you know, right. there's no sliding doors. No. Um, but what I'd be, what I was really struck by is how often the fathers figured out that the way to spend time with their kids and how often their kids figured out the way to spend time with their fathers is to be included in their work. You know, so whether it's like Jonas Salk and his son were doing, you know, his son became a scientist as well, or 
or like um, Mark Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut's son became a writer, or Cesar Chavez's son became an organizer, or Miles Davis's son became a percussionist. Why did he become a percussionist? Well, he was surrounded by music, yeah, but also because he struggled to relate to his dad, Miles Davis, and the way that he found to relate to him was on stage, because that's how his dad related to people as musicians. Um, and he was finally like let into his dad's, I don't know, club by right. being a musician. Right. Over the course of these interviews, I think what's really struck me and broken my heart a little bit is how much kids just want to connect with their dads. Mm-hmm. That's just what they want to do. They'll do anything for it, you know? It's, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It really yeah. is just that yeah. simple. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In concept, right? They just want to connect and be with them. Yeah. Okay. So in line with this, what is your advice for dads who want to be more present and be in this place of presence and connection? Just do it. I mean, there's nothing, there's no secret. It's just showing up. Just show up. Mm -hmm. I mean, surely this is something that like you've, you've tackled on the podcast, like yep. there's, yeah, yeah, there's all of these sort of, there's technical advice and expert knowledge and resources available and tips and hacks and whatever. That's what fatherly makes its bread and butter on, you know, like providing that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's an internal realization on the, on the, part of the father that he wants to be there and will do what it takes to be there. And that's not something that any sort of external advice can um, allow to blossom. That's something that needs to come from the inside. Is that what you found? I mean, does that, does that jive with your experience? Oh, it totally jives. And, and in, even in my role as a psychologist therapist, you know, this comes up a lot and, and what we always often talk end up talking about in the room is like this isn't it's not rocket scientists uh, you know like what book can I read what it's like you just got to be there and get rid of the distractions and put your phone away and try not to think about work and just be there and listen and hang out with your kid it yeah. doesn't have to be an amazing adventure it doesn't have to be a competitive I mean all of these things are possible but like you're saying you just have to be you have to be intentional about doing it and then do it i mean yeah that i think to me that was a speaking you know personally i my kids are five and seven and for a lot of their lives i was too much in the way like i was really interested in my own experience and i was on my own trip and they were like accessories and for a bunch of reasons but over the past like two years i've been able to detach from my own drive for self-gratification in a way and and move the shift from and be able to shift what i'm be able to shift the the soundboard of the experience you know like turning down ego my ego a little bit and turning up being attentive and mindful of their worlds and and them and their needs and it's totally changed my relationship with my kids a hundred percent it's changed what what but that wasn't you, something yeah go on 
You know, I would say, what what have you seen? Like, what what? How would you describe the change in the relationship? I would say I let go of my desires for things to turn out one way or the other, and I was just now I'm just there for. Now I'm just there. I'm not there for anything. I'm just <laughs> there. Like, I used to be like, oh, my kids. Okay, we live in New York City. We're going to go to the museum. We're going to go to get dim sum. I'm going to take them to a fancy restaurant because I love food. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Achilles, who's my older son, you have to behave like this because I want him to be, you know, kind and generous and whatever. And Augie, I'm, you know, you're going to do this. And, and we're going to, you know, like a, a I had my own trip. I was like putting onto them all the things that I wanted as some sort of um, as some sort of validation for myself or as a statement about me. And now it's like, look, do I want to go get dim sum in Chinatown because it's the best dim sum in the world? Well, in New York? Yes, I do. If Achilles has anxiety about being in the city, it's not worth it for me to lay my trip on him to go. It's about him and his happiness. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. It, and they've also, I think, t- picked up on, they've picked up on that. You know, I think that, that that's been a profound lesson for me, that when things are bad, uh, you can't really project into the future how they'll be better. There needs to be a little bit of faith in there. Like, I'll create the space. I don't know what will fill the space, but it'll be filled with something. Or maybe it'll just remain open space, but you don't know what it will be like, and you don't know how what will blossom, what will flower when you allow that space to appear. Yeah, yeah. So the faith—that's big, right? And a lot of us are trying to plan, manage, track, and that's the opposite of what really we should be doing because that puts a lot of pressure on our kids and they're becoming who they are. And what you're talking about is totally aligned with what we do at Parent Footprint, which is you have you have this awareness of, wow, man, I'm putting all this on them, and I just need to be there for them and let things unfold a little more or a lot more. Yeah, I think what makes it really, pro- makes it really difficult to do that is that there's a lot of fear. You have a lot of fear, and you feel, well, I'll speak in the first person. I had a lot of fear, and I felt like it was my obligation to do these things to my kids because they might not turn out well, or they need this structure, or whatever. What I realized is that was my own insecurities and my own neuroses. And by reacting to them, to those fears, I was not serving my children. Like, I needed to get over my own fear and allow them to be themselves and develop themselves. It's kind of like use a light touch. I needed to use a lighter touch with them. And that brought us a lot closer. Cool. So as a uh, a veteran father... Um, <laughs> Who, who, who still with years to go, right? Lot, lots more. We're all still learning. Um, my, um, our, our three kids are between age fifteen and nineteen, and I tell you, I'm still, I'm still on the fast track for learning every single day. It just <laughs> does not end. What is the best advice you ever received as a father from somebody else? I used to write about food a lot. I mean, I still write about food a lot, and there, there's a chef. Um, in New York, named Eric Repair. He has a restaurant called Le Bernardin. It's one of the best restaurants in the city. 
in the country, mm-hmm. maybe in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was interviewing him in 2010, I think. And he mentioned something that he had told his son. He was talking about teaching cooks on the line. And during service, it's obviously like a high pressure environment. And I was asking him about anger. And he started telling me a story about his son. And what he told his son, who was angry at the time, is that no one's happy to be angry. And that what he said to his son is, and what he explained to me is that like anger is a weakness. Right? Hmm. And I had never thought of anger as a weakness before. I think I was a very angry person and I was very like kind of proud of that anger and I didn't have enough empathy to see that someone else who is angry also doesn't want to be angry. They're not happy to be angry. Mm -hmm. And I think that that set off a huge path for me of in my life. But that moment of recognizing the nature of anger was profound hmm. but i but that, that's a that's the best advice that i've ever gotten from a living breathing human being um i read a book called parenting from the inside out a couple of years ago and the takeaway yep. do you know the book yeah dan siegel yeah 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 the takeaway for me and i think the takeaway of the book is that what you pass on to your kids are your undigested issues like i'm an angry you know i've, I've struggled with anger my life but I'm really working on it. I'm mindful of it. It's the things that you're not mindful of that you don't know. That's what you communicate. That's what you pass on. And that for me spurred a lot of work to figure out what those things are for my kid, for me and for my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, that's, uh, that's impressive, Joshua, because I mean, again, that's, uh, that's what it's all about is being aware of what we've obviously inherited environmentally and biologically from our parents. And uh, what of that do we want to pass on? And what of that do we not want to pass on? And the only way to to go about that exercise is to actually be aware of these things and um, how we're behaving and if we need to make some changes. Yeah. And I made a lot of changes. I mean, it was a, it was a dramatic thing for me. Okay, well, this this brings me to ask you if there is one thing that you could recommend to the dads out there listening, like what one thing would you recommend they do to create this positive change in health that you have experienced? I'm sure you've heard this before, but it doesn't take away from its truth. They need to understand themselves. Mm-hmm. If you don't sit with yourself and know yourself and understand your patterns and understand your strengths and understand your weaknesses, if you don't understand your ego, if you don't understand when you're looking out for yourself and when you're looking out for others, if you don't, if it's all opaque, you can't act skillfully. And I think raising kids, it's incumbent upon you to act skillfully. These are people you love more than anything else in the world. And even though it is hard and sad and and lonely and difficult and uncomfortable to look at yourself 
figure out a way to see yourself. For me, it's through spirituality, but I think for other people, there are other avenues to do it. Mm-hmm. Then you're not being fair to the to these beautiful creatures, you know, who who rely on you. And it's not just to me. What was so uh, resonant is, you know, I think about where I am and the issues I struggle with. That came from my father, and that came from his father. And mother, and mother, and mother. You know, it's not just, it never ends. So right. you are responsible not only for your children, but for the, their their children and their children's children. And it's like, now's the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I almost feel like you just you you just answered several times the parent footprint moment question because you're so aligned with just your own uh, <laughs> life journey and what you're doing, which is awesome. Um, so I'm going to ask it officially now, and you're going to give us another one of your uh, insightful examples. So tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual or as a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your kids? I mean, well, I've talked about it before on the Fatherly Podcast, but um, I was diagnosed with uh, borderline personality disorder, which has had like a huge effect on my own life and on my children's lives. And, you know, on the lives of everyone who, who I've been close to. And part of having BPD is like very intense mood swings, anger, like uncontrollable anger and like deep depression. And being diagnosed with BPD, going through treatment, continuing to go through treatment, it allowed me to see how those that unreliability that I had because I was so moody and I would fly into rages and I'm I could be scary and seeing my kids be scared of me tackling that tack, tackle is not the right word understand coming to understand that and and dealing with it and doing the work to deal with it you know that's that's kind of part of what I've been talking about this whole time really hard work but but I feel like finally, for the first time, I know myself and I can be present for my, I can show up for myself and be there. And so I can show up for my kids and be there. You know, it's like, I was thinking about it the other day. It was like, I was like a deadened bell. You know, when you have a deadened bell and it doesn't vibrate, there's no tone that comes out of it. So if you're dead to yourself and not in touch with yourself, you can't be empathetic because empathy is about a resonance between hearts well in a new agey way between hearts you know feel feeling with another person compassion and empathy which i know are different but they're related you can neither feel compassion nor empathy if you're not if there's not something that resonates inside you so i tackled my i keep on saying tackled it's that's too aggressive a term i am working with my own reality and by doing so, I, I'm now there and I can feel with my kids and I can feel sadness and I can feel joy. Whereas before it was, there was no sustain, you know, mm-hmm. it, there was mm-hmm. no, none of that. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for, I mean, that's courageous. It's That's so courageous, first of all, to go, to do, go on this journey, to accept the journey. People, we, don't, we don't have to accept what people tell us, well, no matter whether they're doctors or whomever. Um, and then to, I want to say, you say tackled, I was thinking embraced was another word I was thinking of. Yeah. Like embraced it. And, um, and for everyone listening, um, you know, all of us have things that we're dealing with. And, 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 and your story, Joshua, just is inspirational to everyone that, you know, everything is dealable if we invest, right, yeah. and have the courage say, to, to look at it. I say workable. It's all workable. Workable, workable. Yeah. yes. All workable. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Of course. Okay. So, gosh, it's unfortunately time for us to wrap this thing up. Uh, tell everyone, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your podcast and then where they could, you know, more about your site and where they could follow everything you're doing. Cool. Um, yeah, so the site is fatherly.com. Pretty straightforward. The podcast is called The Fatherly Podcast. It's on iHeart, but you can get it wherever you get podcasts. You know, it, we just finished our third season. The first two seasons were kind of more about talking to celebrities. Like, wh- how are they like dads? Which is cool. But this last season was much more real about, you know, about some of the some of the struggles, both serious and not serious, that I've been going through, whether it's BPD or divorce or even or how do you how do you parent in a time of climate change or you know how do you get your kids to listen to great music and we we have guests who are experts in the fields come on and kind of you know I really took this as an opportunity to be able to talk to all the people I wanted to talk to in my life that I had no excuse to talk to <laughs> whether they be doctors or authors or or we talk to a yeah. lot of therapists <laughs> right um and it's great because I don't have a copay for the podcast. So it's free. It's free. Yeah. So uh, that's where you, you can listen to that fatherly podcast, fatherly.com. I'm Joshua David Stein on Instagram, which is my only social media presence, which is like a topic for a whole nother podcast. But uh, definitely that's it. nice. Well, Joshua, thank you for imparting your wisdom to us this morning. I'm going to highlight a few things that I uh, jotted down, which really spoke to me. Um, And that's your kids need you around enough to ignore you. The other thing, uh, eloquent, uh, just show up. Just do it. Um, Be there. And uh, also, when things are bad, we need to have faith to create space and let things blossom. Right, we got to overcome our fear. We got to deal with our fear, so we allow things to evolve. And finally, totally consistent with Parent Footprint, uh, you need to know yourself and your patterns, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Joshua, thank you for joining us today. Thank really you so much it. for having me. It's it's a. I think these are very like important and uh, helpful, beneficial conversations to have, and I really appreciate you having them and inviting me on to have it with you. Awesome. We're going we're gonna to track you. We're going to follow your stuff. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. You can find our Parent Footprint Awareness training there as well. Think about the person you want your child to become and then act that way. And as always, 
Ask yourself the question I am always asking myself. What footprint do you want to leave?